Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It's Steph. It is the 3rd of May, 2007. And I'm having a little walkie walks at lunch. And we're just going to take this I River for another spin and make sure that it's not the I River that's causing the crackling, which has killed a podcast or two, but rather the microphone. So, there is a perennial problem that sort of floats around in the realm of philosophy, uh, which is really associated with numbers. Numbers seem to blow people's minds in rather powerful ways, so I thought I'd give some of my minor take on the question of numbers and their existence and so on, and you can uh, count me correct. <laughs> oh, okay, I promise I won't make any number jokes because <laughs> Lord knows the jokes involving my internal organs are only vaguely funny. Uh, these ones really not going to happen at all. So. So what, does, uh, what, what is the problem that people have? Well, the question of the existence of something is complicated for sentient, conscious organisms like, say, you and I, or at least you. Because if you say that something exists, the question is always, does it exist within the mind? Or does it exist within the mind and within reality, or does it exist in reality, but not in the mind? So these are sort of the three, the three options, the three overlapping circles of existence. So, for example, something which exists within reality and within your mind is the computer or the MP3 player that you are using to listen to this podcast that exists in your pocket or on your desk, and it also exists within your mind in that when you want to listen to a podcast, you don't peel a fruit, uh, or you don't peel an orange and hope to find the words inside. Or you, you have this idea of the podcast within your mind. Sorry, of the MP3 player within your mind. It also exists within reality. You conform uh, your mind to reality. And hunky-dory, lickety-smack, we have both things existing uh, within the mind and within reality. Now, the second example is things which exist in our minds but do not exist in reality, like... Uh, God, like flying elephants, like uh, numbers, uh, these are concepts and sometimes contradictory concepts. A square circle is a concept, it's a self-contradictory concept, but it's illustrative of concept problems. So we have in that situation something which exists in our mind which does not exist dans la réalité, huh? And then we have things which exist within our own minds uh, sorry, then we have things which exist within reality which do not exist within our own minds. And these could be things like, let's say that there's some, and this is not possible, but let's imagine there was, a, some, a planet just beyond Jupiter, or maybe it is possible, I don't know. No, we would have seen it, I'm sure. No, we'd see the gravitational effect. There's some planet beyond Jupiter that is orbiting continually so that Jupiter is always between the Earth and this planet, right? So, or, you know, in the in the uh, meteor belt between Mars and what is the next planet? Mars, Jupiter? <laughs> I think so. It's a big space, no matter what it is, right? So, you have uh, this planet on the far side of Jupiter. It exists in reality, but we don't know anything about it, like Pluto before the 1930s. The dog, I mean. So, these are things which exist in reality, but do not exist in our mind. It's really 
unless I'm missing something pretty significant, it's that simple. Things which exist both in reality and in our minds, like Jupiter, or things which exist within our minds but not in reality, square circles, God, numbers, and things which exist in uh, reality which do not exist on our, our minds, in our minds. The undiscovered stuff, life on other planets, uh, some certain kinds of coleosanth-type fishes at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, uh, things which exist in reality but which we do not have any conception of yet. And if you sort of get that uh, triple sort of scoop of, of reality concepts, then you've kind of got the whole thing <laughs> nailed, and I can stop and go back to work. Actually, I don't want to go back to work. It's sunny, so let me flesh it out with some stories from my childhood. So if we sort of get that, then we can look at numbers and say, well, clearly, numbers exist within our minds. There's a concept that exists within our minds, but numbers do not exist in reality. You can sell nine apples. You cannot say, and for uh, an additional five bucks, I'll throw the number nine in, in as well. Number nine, number nine. So this is pretty clear to understand in that it's like money, right? I mean, if dollar bills exist, the concept of money does not exist. If you say to someone, I'm going to hire you, and I'm going to pay you with the idea of money, they'd be like, great, then I'll give you the idea of work. <laughs> But nobody's going to really do anything, right? It doesn't really make any sense. So we've talked about concept formation before, but numbers do not exist any more than a crowd uh, separate from the individual people exists. But that is not to say that numbers is an arbitrary and meaningless concept. The law of gravity does not exist. It's not inscribed anywhere on atoms. The law of gravity does not exist in the real world. But it's not that the law of gravity is arbitrary and just you can make up whatever you want. So uh, numbers, the concept does not exist in reality, but numbers are not an arbitrary concept. You can't call your hands, you can't count your hands and say, I have pie hands. Ooh, pie hands. Ooh, <laughs> that would be fun to eat. As long as they regroup, nothing gross. So it's not arbitrary, and the reason, of course, that numbers can be accurately derived from reality is that reality is composed of atoms and space and energy. So atoms are discrete individual things, and of course, of which electrons, protons, and neutrons are discrete and individual things. So there's atoms, and then there's space between atoms. And, and of course, there's gravitational um, forces which cause mass to be drawn towards mass. And because of all of this, we have discrete things within the world. And, of course, because of this, we have a brain which can think of these things. So we have discrete things in the world. There are atoms which are held together by strong and weak forces, and then there is space between them, and then there are other atoms, right? There are two oranges sitting on a table. You've got a table which is a bunch of atoms held together by strong and weak forces. You've got some space between them. And then you've got the oranges sitting on top of them, which are atoms, which are like, like atoms, right? It's not like half an orange and half an apple, some sort of freaky thing. So you've got oranges which are sitting on the table. The oranges are atoms, which are like, similar atoms, citrus atoms, I think they're called. And they are held together by strong and weak forces. And then there's space, and then there's another orange, right? So numbers are just descriptions of atoms, descriptions of aggregations of atoms. And if you've got an orange and an apple sitting there and you say, hey, two oranges, why are you incorrect? Are you inc incorrect because 
the number two is somehow enmeshed in these in some sort of platonic manner? Well, of course not. You're incorrect because you're saying pretty much that this is an orange atom and these, uh, this is a collection of orange atoms, to be non-technical in the extreme, and to right next to it is a collection of apple atoms. But I'm calling them both orange atoms. Right? That's like attempting to drink oil. Right? I mean, if you think it's water, then you can drink it and be fine. If you think it's oil, you're incorrect. I mean, you're not going to do too well. So from that standpoint, what we're doing when we use numbers uh, as a concept is we're just describing atoms. I mean, obviously we're not describing individual atoms, but rather two. But uh, we're dividing, uh, sorry, we're, we're um, describing aggregations of atoms as they impact our senses. Or, of course, we can get down to more detailed um, uh, observations of things if we use scientific instruments or really tiny eyes. So numbers exist within our minds. They do not exist in reality, but they're not arbitrary because they're descriptions of the properties of matter. An orange is an orange. And of course, there's the you know the Aristotelian essence of the orange. You know, it's an orange, not an apple. And if it's half orange, half apple, you say it's a oh apple and apponge or whatever. But numbers are abstractions that we give to aggregations of like atoms. Uh, nothing particularly complicated about that. The aggregations of light at like atoms do exist within the real world. By golly, they, honest to goodness, really are there, and they are similar. And if you measure uh, the, the light coming off an orange with a, I don't know, spectrograph or something, then you really are going to see that it falls within the same uh, spectrum as the orange that's next to it. And if it falls into an entirely different spectrum, then you're going to say it's a blue orange or something, something freaky like that. But of course, if, it's, if, if, the, if the color that's coming off it is pure yellow and it's got little pointy bits at the end, then you say, oh, a lemon. So this aspect of concept formation is something that I think is relatively easy to understand. It takes a little while to get used to this as a concept, as a way of working with empirical reality. But numbers are not, at least to me, I mean, maybe there's some complication that I'm not aware of. <laughs> it certainly could be. But I try and stay clear of those because, well, those are tough. But we have atoms, and atoms have properties which don't change, right? I mean, carbon atom can be combined with other kinds of atoms to produce C4 explosive. I'm just making stuff up. An atom can be combined with other... It doesn't change its properties, right? You can rip an atom apart, and it becomes a blown-up atom, but it's then a different thing, right? So a carbon atom doesn't spontaneously become a hydrogen atom and then some complex molecule, and then, you know, your right arm, and then the idea of numbers in Babylonian mathematics. An atom is an atom is an atom. It sits there, and matter is inert. It doesn't change unless it's acted on, and usually with considerable energy. So this, uh, this whole question or issue is that atoms have properties, right? and atoms have properties. Physical law is sta uh, physical reality is, is stable and doesn't change unless you act upon it. So because atoms have characteristics in perpetuity, a hydrogen atom has probably been a hydrogen atom for quite some time, billions of years. Because atoms have stability, we can have concepts. And not only can we exist, but we can have concepts because concepts are merely, for the most part, well, almost always, descriptions of atoms or of other concepts, which is 
um, merely in the end result a description of something which is material. And where you have a concept that can never be tied to anything that is material, that is objective, you know you have a false concept. And so if you have a concept like country, how do you know that the concept country is false? Because it doesn't describe anything particular in reality. The atoms don't change. There's not this massive space between uh, Canada, the United States, and Mexico, or whatever. And you could say Australia is a country because it is a, uh, I guess, a mini continent or a landmass. And that's fine. But then what you're describing is a geographical feature, not any sort of political entity, right? So where you have concepts that at some point do not describe matter, well, and God, of course, is, is one of these, right? Wherever you have a concept that at some point or another does not describe matter, you know you have a false concept, a concept which has been disconnected from reality, from a description of matter or energy, and therefore is false and, and meaningless and is just a made-up summer, summer, a made-up summit, summit, right? Doesn't, doesn't mean anything, and that's why I continually sort of focus on applying laws of logic, which are derived from the principles of reality and matter and energy, applying the laws of logic to concepts. And when you come up with concepts that have no basis in material reality, why then, my friends, you know you have a false concept because not describing any atoms, and that's what concepts are for. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this works out. I'll talk to you soon.